right, hello and welcome to episode 11 of Dano Says So. Episode 11 is episode one of season two. I want to thank everybody who's stuck with this thing and who's given me all this encouragement and positive feedback because the point of this podcast and these Zoomcasts was really just supposed to interrupt the quarantine and provide an old man a little bit of safety. Um, not really safety, sanity. Anyway, today's guest, Jack Kelly, is one of the first names that came to mind when I decided to do this. And in fact, when I did the tagline, which was friends, foes, and curiosities, none of these people are really my foes. But if there's anybody who I've rhythmically talked shit with over the years, it's Jack. Um, Jack was the singer of Negative FX, Last Rites, Stars and Stripes, and for 35 running years, the singer of Slapshot. So his story is long and detailed, and his personality is well-known and pronounced. So I've been looking forward to this. Jack Kelly, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Actually, 35 years this month. Really? Yeah, yeah. it was our first, re our first rehearsal was 35 years ago. How is reflecting on that feel? I don't know. I have no, I don't know, no feelings whatsoever. Yeah. I, I know. I don't. I don't reflect on that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I don't. I don't have any old like slap shop material or you know, like I don't. Mm -hmm. I never kept any records. I right. barely have any mementos. I don't know. To me, that stuff it it, it doesn't has it doesn't mean anything to me. Like people like Roger from AF. He right. has everything they ever did. Like he's got this treasure trove of af stuff i've right. got nothing i've got nothing i don't own a single copy of any of my old vinyl so i can i mean i can relate yeah um, you know it's, yeah it, it doesn't hold it doesn't have like that kind of that old stuff doesn't have any meaning for me really so well psychologically that plays straight into something that i wanted to wanted to ask you about which is you know you have a lot of the bands the majority of the bands almost that really made any real headway during the decade when you and I met, have been back on the scenes scene over the course of the last 10 years, playing a lot of shows, spending a lot of time on the, road, on the road, a lot of time in Europe, all of which at times I've taken exception to it. I'm kind of getting over it. But what most of them have in common is that they don't keep writing and they don't do new material. With a few interruptions, it seems to me like you've never stopped cranking out new stuff. Is that you know, an internal need to do so, a sense of obligation to do so, or just the way it happens? Uh, just kind of the way it goes. Like, yeah. I'm always still coming up with, you know, like I could be driving mm -hmm. and uh, be like, okay, hold on one second. I'm going to hum something. You know, right. I, I, I'm always coming up with stuff, so I hum things into my phone. And then I, I can't play an instrument. I don't play any, everything, you know, I write everything up here, so I'll have to hum it down, hum it onto my phone or something. Or a recording device. You just carry a little recorder, and uh, then when I get to rehearsal, I'll go. Hey, let's try this one. I hum it to the guitar player, and off we go. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I. I'm, all, I'm still always writing stuff. I always come up with stuff in my head. So if I didn't have any outlet for it, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'd do with myself. So right. you know, occasionally, occasionally, I don't feel we have like. I mean, I give a lot of credit to bands like the Grill Biscuits. Like, how can you tour for 30-odd years on an LP and an EP? I mean, holy shit, the, the, those are great records. Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm envious of the traction, but I've actually talked a lot of shit 
and I've tried to I've tried to curb it because I've sort of had my own perspective altered over the last year or so. But I've talked a lot of shit on that fact rather than praising that fact. I mean, yeah, is it a tribute to the quality of the material? Sure. But from a musician's standpoint, I think I'd lose my mind, you know, touring on the same two records. Yeah, I suppose that that's, I don't know, it's up to the individuals. And I suppose, yeah, you right. can go like, these fucking guys are still making tons of dough and going on tours with the same old shit. But it is what it is. That's them. And, you know, we're different. <laughs> we're different people, got different attitudes on that kind of thing. So sure. if, they're, if, they're, if they're okay, you know, continuing to go on and, and play shows and do tours with that same old stuff. I mean, look, what would they be doing with, I mean, there is, there is the case to be made that if they did new material, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be the same, and it would suck, and they would go, like, people wouldn't appreciate it anymore. So, like, if you've got, like, look, I still have to, I hate playing some of the songs that we have to play, but you got to play them. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear Back in the Map. They want to hear Hang Up Your Boots. Sometimes you don't want to play it, but you got to do it. It's like, you know, sometimes do you think AF wants to do Crucified for Your Sins? But if you don't do it, the kids that come to the show are, are like, oh, but they didn't play Crucified. Fuck. Or I'm sick of it all. I, I actually said to them, don't you, gonna, don't you, wouldn't you ahead. just one night, wouldn't you just for one night not want to do the Braveheart thing? <laughs> right. But if they don't do the Braveheart thing, kids are pissed off, you know? Like, well, okay, so the Braveheart? band that I do now, we scored, we scored a, a handful of Pennywise dates, right? And uh, the second night, it's just the second night, of being on stage with them. I leaned over our guitar player. Well, how incredibly fucking sick do you think these guys are of bro him? You know. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. I kind of came to this conclusion that somebody writes something, they own it forever, and it's entirely their right to do what they want with it. You know, and for lack of a cornier word, but artists judging artists is pretty petty and pretty unimportant given the amount of shit that's on fire right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, what do you call it? Uh, first time I ever saw you play was at the Country Club in Reseda, and I thought it was wow. one of the more entertaining presentations I ever saw. First off, you were the only band I ever saw from my end of the hardcore scene that showed up wearing all black, and it was one more reason that I bit that and stuck with it for 30 years. So kudos, <laughs> I guess. You know, I, I kind of went, cool, I like it when straight-edge guys are the bad guys. But uh, it's it's easy it's easier to get dressed in the morning. Well, in my case, it's slimming. Um, but, uh, anyway, there was the you know, I think you guys started with back in the map. It was all backlit, like everything about it kind of had some swagger and some pageantry and some attitude, um, almost an arrogance to it that I think has kind of personified uh, what you've done for a long time. That's why you know, like the the gag that we ran the night at the whiskey you know, seemed like it would play right into that and give a great canvas for it. And you did. You talked perfect shit and made us look really silly, and it was ideal. Um, do you <laughs> find yourself still enjoying that, you know, still enjoying sort of that posture or that state, or does it, is it weird as you get older? Like, I, we've, uh, I think my whole thing has sort of evolved over the years. Like, so do course, I, but I was, you're I young. want to see how you see it. You're young, you got, you know, I had my head so far up my ass, my own ass, it was okay. ridiculous. Um, but over the years, I learned to kind of, my thing has been not to take, not to take anything so serious. Right. Like, 
hardcore and what I sing about, some of it, you know, you really want to be, sorry, Mike, there we go. Um, you kind of, it's serious topics, and you, you, you play serious, but in between, it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be entertaining, and at the, at the end of the day, that's really all it is, it's, it's entertainment. Kids, you know, kids these days, or I'm not saying kids these days, but it's, a lot of people just take themselves too damn serious. Like, I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly good with Jack Kelly sitting on his couch saying "kids" these days. It fits, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead. But it's also, it's, but it's also like, like, where has there been? You've got these old bands continuing to tour and everything, and it's almost like it, it goes back to that's what everybody still wants to hear is this mm-hmm. old, old. You know, it's like some some people complain. Oh, it's nothing but these old guys coming, you know, old guys playing in shows. Well, come up with your own damn bands that are better, right. and and then maybe things will change. So that makes me think up. two things. If they have their own bands that are better, chances are that this generation is not even going to know about it. I know I'm not going to know about it. And then the other thing, the the other thing to me is, I always fall back on, you know, nobody expects blues men or blues musicians to be 25 years old. You know, genres have a point at which they're birthed and at which kind of the shit will get big and the form will be perfected. And that original garden, there's always going to have a right to that space and that music, and they're probably always going to be the best ones doing it. I don't know why people thought hardcore, thought first-generation hardcore wouldn't age or would have a mandatory retirement age. I just don't see it. Yeah, no. The same people will continue to keep playing it. And all the kids will continue to go. I mean, I have, I rarely, I mean, there's many times I just stay backstage and I'll never go out. I, I haven't seen an opening band, I couldn't tell you in how many years. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, occasionally, every say 12 or 15 years or so, I'll be back th- backstage and go, whoa, who's, mm-hmm. who's playing now? Right. Well, that, happened, that happened actually when we played Long Beach. Yeah. And Skull, Skullcrack. Yeah, fucking, those guys, great, the, fucking great band. We great, play with them. Band. They are. They really are. And that, and that bass player is a that bass player is destined to be a legend. I mean, they can play. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the drummer, the guitar. I mean, they're, they can play. I like their songs. They don't. None of that breakdown bullshit. It's just mm-hmm. a hardcore a hardcore song. It starts fast. It's fast in the middle and it ends fast. None of the none of that nonsense. Right. I, I hear this copycat nonsense that has been going on. Everybody, every band has been trying to copy Hatebreed for the past twenty odd years. Who, if you played Hatebreed in the middle of this interview, I wouldn't recognize them because I don't think I've ever heard a note. But you know, no, neither, well, neither, neither could I. Neither would I. However, I know it was one of one of those bands. Well, it was interesting to me the first time I went to Europe, which is like twenty five years ago now, maybe more. I got over there, and their love of like. Really sketchy, threatening, very similar music caught me off guard because in Europe, their whole world in terms of hardcore was shit that I never gave a damn about. You know, and it's it's not to say that the music is good or bad, but first off, it always caught me weird that, that American music is so big overseas, but then it caught me particularly strange that American music that didn't appeal to me at all would be almost religious overseas. I mean, I don't know where I expect that to go, but it's just a perspective I want to toss in there. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I found over the years when we first started going over, mm-hmm. it was a lot different than it started becoming, like, say, in the 
2000s or so. Okay. A lot of that, a lot of, a lot of, I don't, I personally, I thought it was sort of a lot of bad influences. Started getting traction in like the mm-hmm. Europeans. And I was telling, telling the people that were booking, like, or the people, the, the promoters and stuff, I'd be like, watch out. <laughs> watch out. Because a lot of the stuff that was going down back in the 90s in America mm-hmm. would start going down. And, and sure enough, it's, you know, it really, it started right. catching up in Europe too. And, you know, I was kind of worried. I mean, it, 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 it kind of, ran its course and everything's cool. You know, every, I, I still love going over to Europe and, and playing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a little while, I was getting a little bit, nah, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> right. It's time, time to go down a path that you really shouldn't be going down. It'll fuck up, it'll fuck up your senior shows. Kids won't, kids don't want to go anymore when there's mm-hmm. fights and, and too much shit going on. You know, kids get beat up, kids get killed. Yeah. You know, a few incidents over in Europe, you know, bad, bad shit went down. And you know, you know it's kind of chilled out. So everything everything seems to be have run its course. Do you guys do you participate a lot in the in the festival circuit? Have you done like, Bros Rock and Eper Fest and all that? Uh, yeah, we played we played Eper Fest uh, a couple times. Yeah. Um, well, I played Bros Rock once. I'm not this, pointing a finger at it. Yeah, this year we were supposed to play um, uh, Hellfest and uh, Brass Pop. Which are really big ones, right? Um, mainly because it was the 35th anniversary tour. We were, mm-hmm. you know, this other one called Pit Fest, which were, but all these festivals are putting us on for next year. So, uh, as long as everything works out and every, everything's okay to go, next well, year I, should be. I don't mean this morally. It's not really a values a values question. I mean this literally just in terms of where we came from. You're a few years older than I am, but we're both 80s boys. Uh, where we landed, and then. You know, I did a couple of them in Europe. There was one in Berlin. You look out and playing to ten thousand people. You have a hard time uh-huh. wrapping your wrapping your head around that because it, it, it for me there's the disconnect is massive between you know a basement in downtown Los Angeles and a field with ten thousand people in it in Europe. And it, uh, there's well, a generation I, I, there's a generation of hardcore musicians who thinks that that's the legitimate article and that's what's to be aimed for. And I don't know if it's my place to tell them that they're wrong. But to me, I'm not even sure it's the same animal. Well, it depends on depends on why you're going over there. Yeah, there there's, there are bands that continue to have to put out records, or else they don't get you know these big giant festivals every single year. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know there's you know, I don't know I, I don't care one way or the other. If, if we get put on some festivals, we get to play for more people than we normally would, or people that have never even heard us, mm-hmm. and and they end up liking us. I mean, we played at this. Um, festival in um, I think it was po- uh, Poland or the Czech Republic somewhere so like brutal brutal something fest and mm-hmm. people people thought we were people thought we were great right. you know, it's, it's, I prefer to play basement shows where you know, it's like, like sweat is dripping from the ceiling and everything's right. like super hot I, pre- I prefer that but it's a you know it's a different animal when you play I mean if you want to grow an audience and why not why not Keep getting new people to listen to your stuff. Mm-hmm. We have we had our audience, and yeah, if we wanted to change at at one point, maybe we could have you know branched out to like more people. But it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been us. Mm-hmm. I learned my lesson with a, a few really shitty records. Don't change what you don't try to you know change what you do best. Stick to what you do and continue to do that. Well, I've done and the if same people thing. like it. They like it. If they don't. 
oh well, that's you know that, that so be it. Well, do you know do you know who Chris Lisk is out here in California? He's a promoter and he was a musician in a lot of old bands. He's, you probably, probably know him on Face. You probably played for him. I don't know, but Chris brought something up to me one time, which is I've done the same thing. I've done a lot of music that doesn't sound the same, right? I, sure. I typically do it as EPs or whatever, and I do it. And I give the bands different names. And he said to me, "Can you imagine if for the last thirty years you had just kept the same name for everything, just called it all No for an Answer, or just called it all Four One One? He's all, you know, you'd be in a different place." And he literally said, "You know, nobody expects Mike Muir to change the name of the band every time he changes styles." And I'm kind of hearing the same thing from you. Uh, do you regret that maybe when you had gone down some of those other avenues, you hadn't hung the Slapshot tile on it? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, okay. well, no, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you can't change my, like, no matter what you do, it's going to be, it's going to be me singing. So it's, right. people are going to go, it's just, oh, that's, that's choke anyway. So who cares? I mean, like, right. we did, but, I mean, Stars and Stripes was a total departure and a total different kind of music. So that's actually that, where I'm yeah, headed next. Yeah. yeah, that worked because mm -hmm. it was a, a different genre of music. So, yeah. In the 80s, uh, you you humorously referred to yourself, you know, as being sort of an Archie Bunker type, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, I'm actually not wanting to investigate that. I didn't want to, I don't want to interview <laughs> you. From, I don't want to, I don't want to interview you from 30 years ago. But where I'm Thank going you. with, where I'm going with is between that, between maybe the first Stars and Stripes record, between this, an initial perception that I would have branded as being sort of conservative, right? And, and I would have perceived you, I mean, we've never known each other that well. It's always been fun to be in touch with you. But I would have perceived you as being kind of right-leaning. Lately, that's not the vibe I get. Now, is that, is, that because, is, that, is that because of current events? Or, you know, I mean, actually, that's question no, I mean, right there. No, I mean, there look, personal... I, I'm, from, I'm from Massachusetts. I know this, it's, but that's, that's Kennedy State, man. I mean, I mean, aside from Vermont, we're the, mm -hmm. you know, probably the most liberal state in the country. Right. So, I mean, I've always had that, you know, that kind of, but I mean, personally, I've been called a Nazi by left-wingers mm -hmm. and a, a liberal pussy by right-wingers. Right. So, and sometimes I think, well, I must be doing something right if nobody knows where I'm, you know, kind of nobody knows really where I'm coming from. The only actual aspect of things is I don't like fucking idiots. And what we've got right now running things are mm -hmm. criminal fucking morons. I mean, that the guy in the White House right now is legitimately fucking stupid. And like and everything that comes out of his mouth is a, is a lie. So mm -hmm. the, the people that would want that, they've got to be fucking idiots too. Do you understand, though, how when I first started seeing this, two things. I was excited by it. I loved seeing you come out with, you know, if you support this guy, fuck you. You're not wanted here. Right? I love that. But can you understand how I was surprised to see that? Or is that just, you know, California boy doesn't know how it is? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I don't know necessarily, like, all these years Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to feign, to feign familiarity of each other's politics. What I'm well, saying look, is, look, you did a record. You do, if you do a band called Stars and Stripes with an eagle on the front, skinhead right? music. Let me just put it to you: the skinhead music, right, has certain themes. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on all of them. Okay. Now, whether 
I, I always said, whether or not I believe some of them or not, it's not my fucking job to spell it out for you. Right. You either are a moron and take it one way, or you're smart and you, and you, and you can figure it out for yourself. Which to me is entirely valid, but I'm willing to bet you met your share of fair, your fair share of morons who, who digested it the wrong way along the way. Oh, no guarantee. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there were, there, were, there were times, there was actually one time I told, uh, I actually got in touch with, I called Tim Yohannan on the phone, mm -hmm. and I told him, look, something just happened on TV, and I, wanted, I want you to know if mm -hmm. something comes, comes to you and says that such and such, blah, 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 I want to be able to make a statement about it. Interesting. You know, we, don't need to go, we don't need to go into what that was, though. Okay. No, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, um, to me, one of the more frustrating things at a time when I was just virulently anti-skinhead and I was a boy, not a man, was I was so annoyed that that first skin, that that first Stars and Stripes record it was a great fucking record. I was like, God damn it! You know, like, <laughs> I just I wanted to have I want I wanted to have a problem with it. And instead, I fucking bought it. You know, like I can't remember who actually reviewed it for Maximum Rock and Roll, mm -hmm. but I, I can't remember the person. But they actually said something like. Yeah, I really don't want to like it, but I find myself in my kitchen doing the dishes, singing all these, <laughs> humming yeah. along to all these songs that are you know, that are being played right now. So, right, you know, mission accomplished, I guess. You yeah. know, like I literally wrote that whole record in like two days. Um, on the subject, you know, it's it's good shit. On the subject of Trump, on the subject of Donald Trump. <laughs> okay. Um, on the one hand, I remember when he was elected. Do you remember when everybody, every smartass on the internet was immediately, well, this is going to birth some great punk rock. It's going to be like the Reagan years again. Blah, 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 it, it, right? It didn't, it didn't, did it? No, it absolutely fucking did not. Um, it, you know, I sit here and I wonder to myself, do, 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 do we have an obligation to be more vocal about it? I mean, you, you reach a lot of ears that kind of have to step back and go, whoa, or oh, God damn it, when they hear, when they hear how brilliantly anti-Trump you are. You know, and you, and, I, you haven't I, been shy, and you haven't been shy about it. It's been fantastic. But uh, do you see that playing a role in your music? If the doors were to open back up and we could actually get some work done? Well, you know, the, last, the last record we did... Make America Hate Again, I remember. Yeah, it, people... Asked me, asked, kept asking about like the title, and mm -hmm. I said it doesn't really have. It's, I know it, it, it has that Trump thing, but it really mm -hmm. wasn't about, wasn't about that. It was more right. actually. The song was more about. We need maybe we need a little less complacency and maybe a little bit more violence, make it right. hate again, than mm -hmm. than less hate. Maybe we need a little bit more from the right, right. from the right people that need to hate a, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we. Took, maybe if we took more action, right. it'd be less of, less of the shit that's been going on. Right. But yeah, every so often, uh, I'll put a post out on my Instagram, like, okay, right. I just hit 12,000 or whatever, 11,000, 10,000. Those of you who, are, who have been here, thank you very much for the support. Those of you who are new, just so you know, I'd rather lose 5,000 of you if you support this fucking piece of shit. So you're not wanting to get the, get the fuck out. I, right. I do that every every so often because you know I got a feeling that there's plenty of people that probably oh say Adam I'm, I'm almost I'm almost at twelve thousand followers. 
Yeah. There's going to be a good portion of them that are Trump supporters. There's got to be. Agreed. Agreed. There are. Per percentage. But the there, that's true of people I've done music with and people that I've released records for. And I'm a goddamn maximum rock and roll, you know, ex-staff member, slept on the floor, profane existence guy. So fil the filters are just not absolute because we have a shared history, you know. They're out there. There's there's some pretty hard hard right morons on everybody's roster, I think. Sure. Yeah. Um, the internet and you, arguably one of the funnier people I follow, and clearly very comfortable with the uh, provocateur role. You definitely like to fuck with people, and you also appear to really enjoy a cheap laugh and videos of other people getting hurt. Um, yeah. Has it ever? Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What's what's not to like about people? You know, I mean, it depends if they right. get killed. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't want. I don't want I've, there's been a couple of videos I posted with, like the, you know that person they fell down that hill, they died. I'm like, oh fuck. God well, damn. That, that that sucks. But you know what I mean, like, there's been a there's been a few times I posted things that were like, whoa, okay. I didn't, you know, I didn't really. It was funny, mm -hmm. but I didn't. <laughs> sorry. Well, I'm curious. Like you say, you'll, you'll do something that's decidedly funny, but it's either porn referential or it definitely runs against the current mores of political correctness and things like that. Has it ever made musicians you've been playing with un uncomfortable, or has it ever come back to hurt the bands or the band? Uh, or has the no internet been pretty safe territory? No comment. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. That's just that's obviously an inherent risk in it. Whereas you know, it could be accusing you of being Archie Bunker 30 years ago, it's more like Lenny Bruce territory now, and I think it's always good to fuck with what's dangerous, so I don't fault you. Well, you know, I mean, that's what punk rock is supposed to be about. Well, pushing, that's the whole pushing, thing. Stepping over the line sometimes, pushing the envelope, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want people to get too comfortable. I don't know. I think that that's kind of the essence of punk. I mean, when I was... It's a, that, that fact, and I agree with you, is lost on a lot of people. Like, to me, the provocateur thing and the getting under people's skin and making unsafe statements runs against a lot of high-profile people in this music's basic DNA and sort of internal mission statement. For me, it's fucking crucial. If I'm not pissing anybody off, I'm not doing it right. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I've lost followers for certain posts, but I don't keep track of it. All right, you know, there's plenty of other places to go right. than my page, you know, but, you know, occasionally I try to balance it out with, you know, some a picture of some cute doggy or kitty or something. <laughs> On my notes here, I've got in big black Sharpie the word regrets with a question mark. I'm not getting the impression that that's a big part of your uh, your day-to-day, -day. like looking back and sort of saying, yeah. Actually, I, made a, I, made a, I actually made a post about that like maybe last week. Really? That, yeah. If you, if, you, if you don't have regrets, you haven't okay. lived. I, I hate enough. it when you see, oh, you know, like, you know, It'll be like a popular song, Live Your Life With No Regrets, or, you know, like, it's on some asshole's wall on a little, you know, tapestry or something. You know, live your life with no regrets. Bullshit. If you don't have regrets, if, sit, if there are things that, that don't keep you up at night when you're trying to get to sleep, mm -hmm. then you haven't, you haven't lived. Okay. There's got to be some things that you lay, that you lay there going, fuck. You know, like, when I was, you know, 35, why did I do that? Well, I got plenty. Come on. I you know, everyone yeah. has to have that. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you say you don't, then you're lying. Right. Yeah. Well, I posted this thing where I said the point at which, you know, 
you craft your lyrics or your public statements to be more amicable or more likable or more digestible. You're not writing, you're selling, you know, it's just, you know, you got to own your shit and you got to own your sins. I, I, I agree with that. Um, you just struck me as somebody who could have a large library, but um, only because I think you, you do a lot to amuse yourself and some people are more sensitive than others, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is going faster than I expected, but I'm enjoying myself. We didn't spend a lot of time on Trump. You know what I found when Trump won office, and I'm somebody who likes to babble on and on politically, I found him almost impossible to write about, because how do you go into great detail, and how do you talk mad shit on finger paints? It's just simplistic, base-level stupidity and catering, and catering to people's worst fears, you know? Yeah, you don't need to, it's, it's like you don't need to write shit about him. Right. He writes he writes himself. Yeah, absolutely true. <laughs> what what can you say about him that he doesn't all like just state out loud? Yeah. But know? there's not there's an audience for it, no two ways about it. So listen, are you to what degree or to any degree, are you financially dependent on Slapchat? Uh no. No, 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 but, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually, obviously it's extra money and stuff, but. So, but that's what I'm, you know, I don't know. I haven't been in a regular, regular touring band internationally playing yeah, on no, different no. size shows in forever. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it's mainly, it's cool to come home with some money and, you know, be able to go and, you know, away or get some new tattoos or something or, you know, but, but no, it's, it's, so that, that's, that's about it. Quarantine hasn't impacted the ability to pay the bills. Well, it hasn't helped. <laughs> right. Um, so when do, you th when do you think, and I, I don't expect, I, so I did another interview earlier today, and it was with a well-traveled, very experienced epidemiologist in, in infectious diseases, right? And okay. I could ask her these questions and, and have a certain expectation. But to a bunch of old hardcore musicians, which is the majority of people I talk to on here, I like finding out whether you think these clouds are going to clear, whether you think the shows will come back, whether you think we'll ever be able to exist under the, the previous model. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually pretty skeptical about shit yeah. getting going next year. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, what's happening, what's happening now is they're trying to rush things out so fast mm -hmm. that the, that the, um, what do you say? Well, um, the confidence in our uh, medical system mm -hmm. is going to be so shattered by the time, say, a real vaccine comes out. People won't believe it. Right. That, it, that it's actually going to work. And, it, I, it, and honestly, vaccines don't always work. Right. Sometimes they're only 90% or 80% effective. So even with a vaccine, are we, you know, we going to be able to take our masks off and go, go to the gym? And, like, you know, even still, we book shows for next year. Do I want, like, you know, 700 people breathing in my direction? Hey, I don't actually, know. You Do mentioned the gym. Just go Do ahead. they go want for me it. spitting and bleeding all over them? <laughs> yeah, you you and your bleeding, your Ric Flair thing. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, we, whatever. Call it in. you got to entertain them somehow. Woo. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I did, I did want to... Wasn't going to bring it up in the interview, but now I now I will. I feel like I'm being effusively positive, which is going to be disappointing to people. 
but uh, I wanted to commend you on something, and I wanted to kind of ask you about it. Um, I've seen you play a few times in the 80s. I don't know if I did in the 90s. Um, we played on a show together in the early 2010s, but you played a show in a downtown Santa Ana venue um, underground a few years back. I don't know if you remember, Gitter and I showed up. It was in the basement in Santa Ana. Uh, where I'm oh, going yeah, yeah, with, yeah. yeah, where I'm yeah. going with that, you know, I've been playing hardcore sets my whole life. It seemed to me that you guys played 17 songs with two breaks and no blocks of songs shorter than five five songs in a row. Would you would you would that be accurate? Yeah, we don't we we don't stop. Well, that's hauling ass, and that's different than the animal I saw in the 80s out of you. When did that come about? Was it a conscious decision? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, we started, you know, making blocks. I, I, honestly, it really kind of comes down to the less I talk, <laughs> the better off we are. Right. <laughs> because, you know, some, at some point I'm going to say something stupid. But if physically, but, it's an, I, honestly, physically, it's a fucking accomplishment. I mean, it's a, that's a long sprint. Yeah, we, we actually did, we played it, the Long Beach show. I think we did the last, I think there were nine songs. Uh-huh. Like after the second block. No, Doug, Doug McKinnon another. was there. He told me about it. He said it was freaky. Yeah, it was that was a good show. A really yeah. good show. Yeah. <laughs> one well, of the, one of the best we've actually played in a, in a long time. Yeah. Well, I could make some smart ass comment about why I wasn't there, but I think I was just working. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever, there. Yeah. You know, if I catch you every twenty years, I'm fine. But yeah. uh well it, who knows? There might, there might never be another time. Well, that's kind of that's kind of where I was going to wrap this up. If uh, if those conditions are never safe again or never permitted, does this go away? Do you keep doing the music? If you don't keep doing the music, what does life look like? Is it a huge loss? Is it just a thing uh, that happened? It's just a thing that happened. Yep. Time, you know, it was time to stop. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know. I've never like thought about like I just kept going. You know. Why do you keep going on? It's fun. Right. I mean, bottom line, it's just, it's fun to get up in front of it. I mean, touring, I try to say, it, even though maybe you're going to exotic locations and it's mm -hmm. fun to you know, go to Europe and see all these places and stuff, that's, that is great. But probably 90% of the time, it's fucking crashingly boring. And like 23 hours of the day sucks. I was going to say the sleep that, is that usually one hour, shit. That one hour you're on stage, it's just why why it's great i was like i don't know what i would do without it but i'm pretty neurotic when it comes to music i mean i may not be exercising it in the healthiest way um well listen what do you call it i uh thank you for doing this like i said um it was fun it was essentially the conversation i expected uh, people have really been looking forward to it and i think they will enjoy what you've had to say you have friends with the, you have fun with those friends behind you jack <laughs> i will all right i'll talk to you later <laughs> All right, later. See ya. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. 
So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.